we're going to read this morning from Psalm 73. Um, if you've been around with us for very long, Psalm 73 is pretty much the text we preach every family Sunday. Um, it's, a, it's a psalm of contentment, I believe. Uh, psalm 73 says it's a psalm of Asaph, um, which, which I would encourage you, go read about Asaph. Um, but but it's, a, it's a psalm, what, what I believe is a psalm of contentment um, in a world uh, where it's hard to be content. Um, really a contentment in the presence of God, a contentment with being with the Lord. And so if you would, let's stand together. If you're able, if you're not, uh, please do not feel obligated to do, th- to do this. But we're going to read the entire Psalm, chapter 73. Psalm 73 a psalm of Asaph. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and they speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these people are wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and arrogant, ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. This is God's holy word. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says that the, the, flower, that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for our time in it together this morning um, as, as your people. Uh, we thank you that... Um, we, we have a, a, a common confession, um, a, a common uh, bedrock um, as people of faith um, that, that, we, uh, that, that we rest upon. 
Um, and that is, that is what you have done for us through your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would help us um, to, to have clarity um, in, a, in a world where it's hard uh, to have clarity, uh, where you would, where you would uh, bring us back to what is clear, what you would bring us back to what is true um, in, a, in a world where, where truth is, is, um, is, is under attack. And so, Lord, just help us um, to see how to live a, a content life in you. And we pray these things in, in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. I don't have uh, seven points this morning. I've got six, okay? So just kidding. Um, actually, I'm not kidding. I do have six, but we're going, we're going very quickly through it. We're going to read this. Um, we're gonna, pretty much going to read this psalm and, and understand what the psalmist is saying. There's about a... I think there's about a hundred ways we could go with Psalm 73. Um, in fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, as, as you, as, as you've probably gotten familiar with, I like to be a little bit interactive. Is there anything in particular in this psalm that stuck out to any of you? Just call it out. Like, was there a verse that you were like, like for me, it was uh, their bodies are fat and sleek. It's like, how do you have a, how do you accomplish that? You're, you're either fat or sleek, and I. You know, if, I, if, you, if you can tell me how to be fat and sleek, that, that'll, that'll be wonderful. What else sticks out? The Lord is my portion forever. Amen. That's good. Yeah, this psalm is very relevant to today, isn't it? And, it's, and, and it shows that though, though lots and lots of things are, are similar, what, what stays the same is, is our God. It's good. Anything else? Brother Brian. Wow, that's good. Yep. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. Amen. I love that verse. I'm not a member. That's okay. That's all right. This psalm has, uh, has really powerful bookends, doesn't it? Look at verse 1 and, and verse 28. Verse 1, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And then you got a lot of, you got a lot of venting, it feels like, between, right? But it lands on what, what Brother Mike and our sister Sally, Sally, Sally's visiting with us from Alabama and is Miss Sarah's sister, twin sister, that's right. Uh, and Miss Sally, what, what, what our brother Mike and Miss Sally pointed out 
is, is really just the way this all lands in verse 28. But for me, but for me, it is good to be near to God. That's a, that's a beautiful verse. And so here's, here's what I want us to do. I want us to just slowly walk through this, quickly walk through this psalm. Um, it's, a, it's a psalm of, as, as I said a minute ago, it's a psalm of contentment. It's a psalm of what, what many people say is a psalm of contentment um, in a world and in a time um, and with circumstances around us that really kind of cause us to be discontent. Um, there are moments where holy discontentment is a holy thing, right? Uh, but, but what this psalm is doing for us is it's grounding us. It's showing there is a foundation, there is a bedrock um, that we can rely upon in moments of, of great frustration and great confusion. And so the first thing that I want us to see um, is what the psalmist does is, is in order to live a content life in a troubled world, the first thing that we must do is proclaim what is true. Verse, look at verse 1. Look, what, look, where this, look where this psalm goes first. Truly God is good. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. In those moments where we feel discontent, we don't begin with our problem. We don't begin with our struggle. We begin with what is most true and most foundational. You know, we serve a good, holy, just, and sovereign God. And anything, that, anything that's going on around me has as its great foundation a God who is bigger and more powerful and more holy than, than any of my circumstances. And so what, what Asaph shows us that, that, and, and that his first step in order to be content in a troubled world is to proclaim what is true. But look where he goes next, verses two and three. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Hey, what's really easy to do in this broken world? It's easy to start calling out all the things that are going on, and trust me, that's a long list. But look where the psalmist goes first. So the second thing that we see in living content in a broken world is to acknowledge the brokenness in myself. Acknowledge brokenness in me. Acknowledge that God is good and that, and that before anything else, there is brokenness that exists in me, not just in the past, but even today. There's, there's brokenness. Look, look, what, look, what he says in, look what he says in this verse 2 and 3. As for me, my feet almost stumbled. Essentially what he's saying is, I took my eyes off this good Lord. I took my eyes, I, I got, I got decentered. I got off center in taking my eyes off the Lord who is good to those who are his. I took my eyes off of him. I almost stumbled. I almost went under water. I almost completely lost it. And so the second thing that we see in, in living content in a troubled world is to acknowledge the brokenness in me. Now, here's the third thing, verses 4 through 15. This is, this, is what, this is what we're going to see next. This is what we're going to see the next move. The psalmist acknowledges not only the brokenness in him, but he acknowledges the brokenness around him. This is, this is where we, it resonates in a little bit more with us. Right? Well, it's, it's, it's really easy to, to point out the brokenness around me. What's not so easy is to acknowledge the brokenness in me. But the third thing that he does in verses 4 through 15 is he acknowledges that there is certainly, surely brokenness in, uh, around him. Let's read verses 4 through 15. For they have no pangs until death. What he's talking about is those who, who just live as they want to live, out of submission to the Lord, out of, 
um, out of not following Jesus and, and being um, a, 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 someone who is submitted to him, this is what he's talking about. They have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and they speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches, all in vain. Listen to, listen to the psalmist. He's like in despair here. He, he sees the ease at which those around him are living. And so in verse 13, he's almost come to this place of despair. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, man, what, what, is, what is the purpose of all this? For all the day long I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So what the psalmist is doing is he's acknowledging that there is very real brokenness around him. As we, as we talked about last week in Matthew chapter 10, we, uh, our sister Janice, just she is so creative with words. And so what she did, she said, you took us all around the, the, the text and the seven seas. Anybody know what you mean? There were seven seas. We, we were good in, with alliteration last week. She said, you took us all around the text and the seven seas. We talked about seven seas, seven things that we must do as disciples in engaging in the mission that God has put us on, that we must have clarity in our message, that we must have a great courage, that we must have great confidence, that we must have communion with God, that we must be confessional people, understanding what we believe. And so what, what we know that as we engage with the world around us, that those are some things that we deeply need. Hey, can I just tell you, church, we need great clarity in what our message is in a broken world. We need great clarity in what the gospel of Jesus is. We need great clarity what our mission in this world is. Hey, we need great courage in the midst of that. We need to realize there will be great cost to that. And, and, and remember what we talked about last week with communion with God. It's not easy to find the fight today. What's, what's difficult is having a deep communion with the Father. And that only out of communion with the Father will we be equipped to engage with the world as it is today. And so the psalmist is acknowledging the brokenness around me. That's the third thing. The fourth thing, I love this. This is really, I think this is kind of the, the key verses, verses 16 and 17. Let's read these together. It seems like there's like this light switch that goes off in the psalmist. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God and then I discerned their end. And this is a light switch moment for the psalmist in this, in this troubled world as he's seeking to be content in his fellowship with God. The, the fourth thing that we see is that we, that we will seek clarity. That we seek clarity. The psalmist shows us where he goes to seek clarity. Church, do not miss this. As we, as we, as we celebrate the adding to our number today as, as a people, as we celebrate those who are babies, what, like, we're, we're not just celebrating isolated individuals. We're celebrating the fact that God is adding to his people, that God is adding. And so look where he goes to seek clarity. It says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Now, 
when you hear the word sanctuary, you think little two-year-old girls like this crawling around on the floor that you don't run in the sanctuary. You don't crawl under the chairs in the sanctuary. You don't climb over the pews. There's no running and there's no hats, right? There's, there's no, that's the thing that we, when we think of sanctuary as people in here, it's like, can I wear shorts in here? Can I, can I wear Air Jordans or flip-flops in this place? Can, that, that's the way we think of saying, I don't know about you, but man, I had all sorts of old men, no offense to my, to my, to my gray-haired brothers, love you. I, I grew up thinking that, that like once you cross that, that we were in the Holy of Holies. That this, is what the, this is the Holy of Holies, right? That you cross that threshold of those double doors right there, and you can say whatever you want out there, but once you come in here, there's, there's something we got. Now, I, here's, here's, here's something that we need to do. I think we do need to recapture some of the reverence of what's going in this moment. Amen? I, think, I, think it's, I do think that there is a, a reverence and an importance to what we do here. And I think the psalmist actually talks about that. So when we think sanctuary, we think of all the things that we can't do, all the things that you better not do, all the things that the deacon will hop on you if you're doing. No running, no chewing gum, no climbing over the pews. But what the original readers would have heard when they heard the sanctuary of God is they would have in no way disconnected that from the people of God, being with God's people in a place. Now, is the church a building? No, the church is a people. But the church is not persons. The church is not individual persons living their own mission in the world. The church is a, always has been from the beginning. This is what he's talking about when he talks about the sanctuary of God. The church has always been a gathered people corporately sitting under the teaching of the word of God proclaiming what is true, confessing what is true, singing songs to the Lord. And let me just tell you, church, this world will not make sense without what we do here. At least that's how it ought to be. Now, maybe you've got all kinds of baggage in your life where the the gathered church is some, some kind of just painful time or moment. I mean, I pray that God brings great healing in that. But, but the gathering of the people of God, as the word is preached, the gospel is proclaimed, the scriptures are taught, all of those things, there is a clarifying effect to what we do here. There is, like, we view this, as my brother Chris would say, as warfare. This is, this is really just kind of preparation for, for, for the battle that we go into into the week, that the gospel's proclaimed. We know what our orders are. We know who we are. We know who our Lord is as we go throughout the week. And so what the psalmist does is in the midst of all of this turmoil and chaos, what the psalmist does is he seeks clarity in the assembly, in the sanctuary, in the presence of God, in the people of God. Hey, there is something really, really holy and precious about those private times of devotion, going into the closet, as the Lord says, shutting the door in prayer. Amen? There's something really holy about that. Can I just tell you that is not the extent of the spiritual life that God has for you. That is not the extent of the life that God has for you. It is, this is very much part of our formation, very much part of the clarity that we have in this world. 
And so in the midst of this turmoil, the psalmist seeks clarity. And then the next thing that he does is the psalmist, at, this is uh, something that Brother Brian brought up in verse 20, 21. And, and, the, and the way, that, the way that, that I'll package it is this. The next thing that he does in order to be content in a troubled world is to recall the grace of God. Recall the grace of God. Let's read 18 through 25. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How, are they, how, they, are, 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 um, how they are destroyed in a moment swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. These, these two verses are the key verses here, 21 and 22. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. In order to live content in a troubled world, church family, we must recall the grace of God on our lives. That's what, that's what he says in verse 21 and 22. Hey, there was a time in my life when I was bitter. There was a time in my life where I was pricked in heart. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. But, and now, now he says, but now, nevertheless, I am with you. You are with me. And so we have to recall the grace of God in our lives in order to not become bitter and discontent in the world that we're in. We have to realize there was a time where I was far from God. There was a time where, where I was not a recipient of the, the, the saving grace of God. There was a time in my life where, where I was a rebel, where I was running far away from God. But there was a moment where the grace of God intervened in my life, and now I know the grace of God. And so this leads us, this leads us from maybe rather than a bitterness towards the world to a, to a as, as Jesus does in Matthew 9, what is it? He sees the crowds and what? Has what? Compassion. He sees the crowds and sees compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And then what does Jesus tell, tell his disciples to do? Therefore, pray to the, 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 uh, the harvest is, somebody help me. Harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest. There is a there is an important component of us recalling the grace of God in our lives so that we may then go and take the gospel to those who don't know Jesus, so those who are enemies of God and the enemies of the people of God, so that they may come to know him, and we must have great clarity in what our mission to them is. And so we will recall the grace of God in our life. And then finally, the last thing, you don't, can't believe it, but the last thing is this. So... The last thing we see in verses 26 through 28. What a, what a beautiful, let's, let's memorize this together. Let's work on this. Y'all want to do that? Let's, let's work on memorizing verses 26 through 28, just in your own personal time with the Lord. This is what it says. Actually, let's read this together, if you would. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you on page 486. We're going to read verses 26 through 28. Hey, as we live in a, in a world that doesn't know the Lord, and, and oftentimes is very, uh, very hostile to the people of God and to the ways of God, let us be reminded about this great foundation that we have in God. And let me just give you what the psalmist does. Sixth is he seeks God. 
He seeks after God. Look, 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 what, he, look what he does. In verse, we're going to read this in just a second when you get there. Verse 28, those three, first three words are so great, but for me. It's almost like, you know what? The, the world will act the way that the world will act, but I'm going to be certain of this. For me, I will be near to God. So let's, let's read verses 26 through 28. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And what a beautiful thing. That in order to pursue and to experience contentment in a troubled world, that we would seek after this good God who is good to those who love him and those whom he loves. And so church, and I pray this is an encouraging time. I pray that you walk away from this time together and that you experience what the people of God have always experienced as a corporate gathered body of believers, that the word is proclaimed, that we hear, we respond, and that we are fueled for what the Lord has for us in the week to come as we live on mission for him as a people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, uh, your, your great goodness to us. Uh, Lord, I pray that as the psalmist does, Lord, that we would proclaim what is true in order to, to live content lives, that we would always be reminded and always obedient in proclaiming what is true, that God is good, that we have a, a good, holy, righteous, just Father. Lord, I pray that you would help us in this world where it's so easy to, 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 to see the brokenness around us that we miss the brokenness that exists within me. And so I, I pray that you would, would uh, Lord, help us, help us develop and, and understand a, 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 a deep practice of living a repentant life, living a life that, that, Lord, when we sin and when we are wrong, when we have wronged you, that, Lord, we would repent and that we would in that moment as your children experience the love and the forgiveness of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to, uh, to be clear and courageous, to count the cost, to have great communion with you, to be people of consequence, to be a confessional people as we acknowledge the brokenness that exists around us. We know, Lord, that there is great brokenness around us. Lord, help us to seek clarity as a people in all the ways that you've called us to seek clarity, that we would seek clarity through reading your word, that we would seek clarity in gathering with your people, that we would seek clarity as, 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 a, as a people who are formed by you. Lord, help us to recall your grace in our lives, the grace that you've shown to us. And then ultimately, Lord, help us to seek after you day after day, moment after moment, that we would seek God. That though the world moves like mad, for me, it is good to be near to God. So Lord, we need your help in that. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we are grateful for your, your grace to us. And um, we, we, we rejoice in what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.